I want to thank you for joining us today on the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you didn't know, we have a 24-7 prayer hotline. It's staffed by Teen Challenge staff members who are ready to pray with you anytime, anywhere. Call us today at 888-520-0620. And if you know someone who is struggling with addiction and needs to come into our program, you can refer them to this same number, 888-520-0620, and we can help them begin their new life. You better get ready for the next series we're starting in our podcast. We just got done with our annual Spiritual Emphasis event. Boy, was it miraculous. It was hosted at our newest campus, Central Valley Teen Challenge. This campus just opened in 2015, and if you haven't been there, you're missing out. This campus was miraculously prepared by God for Teen Challenge. It's beautiful, it's spacious, it can house up to 140 men. You are not gonna wanna miss today's session. We've got John Burns. He's the director of Central Valley Teen Challenge. Listen in as he shares at Spiritual Emphasis 2021. If you haven't had the chance, please subscribe to our podcast channel today. You'll be notified every time a new episode comes out, and it's a way for us to stay in touch during these difficult times. God bless you today, my friends. And I am hungry for the Lord this morning. Are you? One of the things I've always um, watched for at Spiritual Emphasis and been, in, been just amazed is to hear these different speakers come from different areas, different places, and then you hear a scripture or a theme or a word or a phrase that's repeated, and God has used those times to get my attention. I don't know about you, but I encourage you to watch for that. If you hear something and then you hear it again, it could be that God's trying to get your attention on something, and maybe someone else won't hear it, but you will, and that's even a stronger sign that God is trying to say something to you. He's already been speaking to me already this morning, and I hope he has to you as well. I want to give a special thanks to our executive director, Ron. Thank you for everything, your vision that we're here today, for the opportunity to serve. It's been an adventure, and thank you for being a spiritual father to me. Thank you. I love you. And a special shout-out to the Central Valley team. I love you guys. You're awesome. And the students at Central Valley, love you. Special shout-out to you. And I love that uh, maybe you're going through your center at whatever place that is, and you didn't know that you've got a bigger family. And we're blessed to all be together as part of the Teen Challenge family, brothers in the Lord today. And know that you're loved and you have this great support and brotherhood and friendship with so many different people. So we're strong and we're blessed in the Lord. I invite you to turn with me to, in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And the title of the message I'd like to share with you is The Girls, the Gold, and the Glory. In Deuteronomy, we find Moses recounting the law to the next generation of the folks wandering through the wilderness. They're preparing to enter the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and chapter 8, he's giving them some warnings, saying, hey, you're going to go into the promised land. Things are going to get better. But when you go in there, you better watch for some certain, certain things. I'm telling you now, be cautious and watch out. And as Moses is giving those warnings to Israel, they apply to us today. As 
you are on a journey with the Lord and entering the promised land of the future he has for you to complete Teen Challenge, to go on to his next chapter for your dreams. Be careful with the girls. Be careful with the gold. And be careful with the glory. Lord, as we turn to your word, we're hungry for you. We pray that you speak to our hearts and impact our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, you must defeat them, destroy them totally, Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Skip to verse 25. The images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver and the gold on them. And do not take it for yourselves, or you will be ensnared by it, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Go to chapter 8, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build, find houses, and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is today. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He said, when you go into the promised land, be careful with the girls. He said in verse 4, don't intermarry with these nations. Now, this is not a biblical prohibition for interracial marriage. It is a prohibition against marrying someone who doesn't know the Lord like you do. And this is echoed in the New Testament. Paul calls it being unequally yoked. For what fellowship has light with darkness? So as you're finding that relationship, that person to fall in love with, she should love the Lord as much or more than you do. 
And that's the person you want to connect with. Otherwise, the scripture says we don't have no business doing that because it could hurt you. It says in verse 4, For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you. And there were examples of this in the Old Testament. Even in this generation, in Numbers 21, we read the story about how the Moabite, King Balak, was growing uh, fearsome of Israel because of how big they were. And he called on the soothsayer, Balaam, to curse Israel. And three times Balaam tried and he couldn't. He only blessed them. He says, I can't curse them. I can only bless them. And the New Testament reveals to us that Balaam goes back to Balak and says, I'll tell you what, if you send your woman out there and the woman seduce them, they'll turn their hearts away from the Lord and God will curse them for you. And that happened. And in Numbers chapter 24, we read that there was a plague and 24,000 people died because this very thing happened. He sent the woman out there, they seduced them and they, turned, they started worshiping idols because of, the, because of that. Their choices, their choices to go with women. And of course, the sad testimony in 1 Kings 11 at the end of Solomon's wife life. Solomon married foreign women. And the scripture says that after he married all these foreign women, they turned his heart away from the Lord. And at the end of his life, Solomon's heart was not fully devoted to the Lord as the heart of his father, David, the Lord's servant, was because of the choices he made in relationships. And of course, there's the tragic story of Samson in Judges, chapter 16. Samson was a mighty man of God, right? He was anointed with power and strength. And yet he was so impulsive when it came to relationships. He saw a woman who's attractive, and he was like, I want her. And didn't even think about it. He was so impulsive, and he ended up falling asleep on Delilah's lap, as you know the story, she had another agenda. She cut his hair, he broke the Nazarite vow, and he lost his anointing. He lost his strength. What a sad story because of bad choices when it comes to relationships. And many of us can get in line behind these men because we've made bad choices when it comes to relationships, to dating, to uh, the opposite sex. And for those of us... <clears throat> In recovery from drugs and alcohol, dating, relationships can be a risky place for relapse to drugs and alcohol. In fact, this is so common that there's an old saying in an AA that behind every skirt there's a slip. Because it happens so much. Because our emotions are involved. We get filled with these emotions when we're attracted to someone. And then sometimes our emotions get the best of us and we make a wrong or a hasty decision because we're following our emotions, our feelings, the infatuation, the attraction. And then uh, we get into a hasty relationship and then it breaks up and then we're heartbroken and then we're really in a terrible place as far as our recovery. And this has been the, the, the stage and the scenario for relapse for many people. We have to be careful. Many of us were singing that song, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. And we've got to stop singing that song. You know, if we're not careful, those of us recovering from drugs or alcohol, we can start turning to women, 
to relationships, to dating, to sexual pleasure, just like a drug. Because, yes, there are good feelings that go along with it. It feels good to be in a relationship, to be loved, and that's a God-given desire. It feels good when she smiles at you, right? But we can't let that good feeling become an addiction, let it, let it make us wrong decisions. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 25 says, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. Wow, that's power, huh? Captivate you. It's like we're in a trance-like state, captivated. And the uh, Proverbs describes this man falling for the immoral woman in Proverbs 7. All at once he follows her like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing that it will cost him his life. Wow, sad story. Many of us have been there. But we don't have to live like that anymore. Job was talking about lust and immorality in chapter 31, and he describes it as a fire that burns to destruction. And once you start it, sometimes it's like that fire, fire in California, a little spark. Before you know it, there's a brush fire that's out of control. Don't start the spark. To prevent that destruction in his life, Job talked about it in 31 verse 1. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. A covenant with his eyes. He makes a decision. I'm going to stop lusting. And it's more than the eyes. This is a heart issue. We need to guard our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 to 27 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talks far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. We need to be focused. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Um, years ago, when I was single, someone gave me this inspirational poem. It's as if it's the voice of the Lord. Part of it says this, I want you to have the best. Please allow me to bring it to you. You just keep watching me, expecting great things. Keep experiencing the satisfaction that I am, listening and learning the things that I tell you. I made copies of this. I'm going to put them on the altar if you're interested, if it would encourage you like it did me, to fall in love with Jesus and he will bring that mate for you. When the Lord set Adam to work out in the Garden of Eden, he was naming the animals, and God looked down, and he said, man, it's not good for man to be alone. And the church said, amen. It's not good for man to be alone. And then the Lord put Adam in a deep sleep, and when he was in that sleep, he took his rib, and he formed Eve. And Adam woke up from his sleep and he looked at her and he said, whoa, man. And they called her woman ever since. Whoa. 
and, and just, as, just as Adam was put in a deep sleep, while you rest in the Lord, while you rest in the Lord, let him bring her to you. Let him do it. He'll bring her to you. Be careful with the girls. The second admonition we read in this passage is to be careful with the gold. Chapter 7, verse 25 says, Do not covet the silver and the gold. Do not take it for yourselves or you will be ensnared by it. We can be ensnared by money and riches and material things as well. It can distract us from doing what God wants us to do if we allow it. Some of us need to make a heart change in that area as well. Some of us may have strongholds because there was a survival skill we learned to take care of ourselves because maybe we were neglected or abandoned. But God can heal that, and you don't have to live like that anymore. He can heal it today while we're worshiping. We need to change our attitude towards material things and money and, and riches we need to think of other people more than ourselves now. Think about it. There's someone else who needs something more than I do. And we can start thinking more about other people and giving to others instead of always looking out for ourselves. And I believe the biggest attitude change we need to make is trusting God. Trusting God that he will take care of us. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 28, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And he talks about don't even worry about these things. Some of you were worried about material things. Your car, your, your debt, your payment. You know, how's someone going to take care of my family? Will you trust God for this? Because he can take care of it. Let's not run after these things like the pagans, the Bible says. Don't run after money. Don't run after riches. Don't run after women, but run after God. And he will take care of all these things for you. And even, I think God has given us a desire to work. It's a God-given desire too. That's not a bad thing. We want to provide for our families, and we should. But we need to even keep that in balance. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. They will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. It's not that important to wear yourself out just to make money. There are more important things in life. God has to come first then your family, and then your job, even if it's a great job. It shouldn't take the place of your relationship with the Lord, your spiritual life, and your relationship with your family. Yes, your family needs your provision, but they need you more. One of the testimonies I hear from Restoration Brothers, they graduated Teen Challenge, they went out into the world, and now there was an 
a relapse and they're back. I've heard this many times. When I was in Teen Challenge, God told me to go to TCMI. But I got offered this job and I took the job for the money. And I didn't go to TCMI, but now that I'm back, I'm going to do it this time. Some of, that's some of you. Anyone have that experience? Some of you have had that experience. And some of you are going to get that whisper this week. The Lord's going to confirm with you that he wants you to be in ministry, that he wants you to go to the Teen Challenge Ministry Institute, that he wants you to trust him for your and your family's provision. you got to follow that. You'll know it this week. And then a month later, when you hear about that job offer, don't take it. Don't take the bait. But trust God. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And he said in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where worms and... um, Moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And we have the opportunity to put your treasure, your heart, in the things of God. Think about it. Many of us, we've been there, done that. You chased the dollar before. You chased the fast money, the fast cars, the fast woman. And look where it ended us up just into a big problem. Let's stop chasing those things and trust God. Let's focus on those spiritual things. Think about the joy that you have in your life now to be clean and sober, to be alive when, we, when it's a miracle that we survived this far. How happy our families are just that we're here in Teen Challenge. You're not making any money now, but you're rich. Your relationship with Jesus is more precious than silver. He is more costly than gold. He is more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing you desire compares with him. Be careful with the gold. And finally, the admonition in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is be careful with the glory because the glory belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 10 says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So when we were down and out, when we were in jail or strung out, we cried out to God for help. And now that we're doing good, we should still cry out to God with thanksgiving and praise. Don't let success steal your passion for the Lord. It's not time to slack off now. Verse 11 says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees. Just because things are going good, it doesn't mean that it's okay to compromise now. Because if you start to forget God, it says, then you'll stop obeying God. And you say, well, it's okay, I can do this now, or I'll just have one. It's not okay. Don't slack off now. You've just begun. Keep it up. Don't go backwards. Go forwards. And don't forget the goodness of the Lord. Again, the Restoration Brothers This is the story that we hear the most. When I left after, I was doing good for a while, but then I stopped praying. I stopped reading my Bible, and I stopped going to church. This is my testimony that, oh, I just stopped. 
This is called forgetting God. Don't forget to do what you did at the beginning. Keep it up. And it's not just for the year. This is for the rest of our lives. And God will continue to bless you if you don't forget him. Otherwise, it says in verse 14, your heart will become proud. And then you start to think, hey, I'm doing good. You know, hey, I gained some weight. I got this new clothes from blessings. I'm doing good now. I'm just going to stay for six months. I don't need the year. Oh, I'm not like these other guys. I didn't go to prison. I didn't shoot heroin. You're not different than anyone else. Don't become proud. That pride will kill you. That pride will kill you. You need to depend on the Lord and submit fully and wholly to him. John the Baptist said in John 3.30, He must become greater. I must become less. Verse 17 says in our text, You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God because it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I mean, don't think that it's you. It's not you. It's not me. My my peers have shared the same thing. It's not us. It's because of him. And we can never forget that. Left to our own devices, we would be back there again. It's because of him. We need him. If you want to brag about something, brag about the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He's so good. He's so good. Look at us around. Look at, look at all of us around here. What a display of God's glory we all are today. He is so good. In Judges chapter 7, we read the story of Gideon. God said, get your army together. I want you to fight Midian. So Gideon gets the army together. There's 30,000 men. And God's like, no, hold it right there. You're not going to go with that army. Because if you go with that big army of 30,000 men, you're going to say, look what we did. I want you to start cutting down that number, Gideon. And he cut it down to 300. 300 from 30,000 to 300. And then God said, now that's the army that I'll use right there. Why? Because looking at it in the natural, you'd think they'd never make it. They had the odds stacked against them. It would take a miracle for them to make it. And they made it. That was the mighty army of victory because God helped them. Look at us. People thought that we would never make it, but it's only because of the grace of God that we're here today. He's doing it. The odds were stacked against us. But God did a miracle, and he's doing a miracle. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, David is afraid for his life. The crazy king Saul is after him. So what does he do? He hides in a He hides in a cave. He's afraid, and then his family starts to join around him. Then the word gets out, and the Bible says that those who were in distress, who were in debt and discontent, they all went and joined him in the cave. What do we have? Caveman ministry. Man cave ministry right here in the cave of Adullam. And it was from that, uh, from that ma- mismatched bunch of men that God raised a mighty army. This would become David's mighty men and the mighty army of Israel that will go on and conquer nations because they all gathered together in a cave like our man's cave ministry today, but because God did it. And as we go and win victories, which you have and you will do, continue to give him the glory. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, 
Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. You are walking into God's promised land. It's already begun. It's a miracle. We'll all say we're alive and clean and sober this long. As you do, as you follow his promises and live in that victory, be careful with the girls. Be careful with the gold. And be careful with the glory because the glory belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time and we pray that you would guide us according to your wisdom, according to your Spirit's power according to your victory. I pray for success and victory in each man's life. And Lord, we don't forget you. Lord, let us be as passionate in our praise today as we were the day we called out your name. Lord, keep the fire flame burning in our our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Once again, thank you for choosing our podcast today. We hope that you're comforted, encouraged, and strengthened in the Lord today because of it. Don't forget to subscribe, though. It's easy. Just go to wherever you're listening right now and click subscribe. God bless you today.